Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, August 22nd. Coming up, John Wood knows that he faces long odds in his independent candidacy for the U.S. Senate in Missouri, but... He still thinks this year is the right time for such a run. Well, we're living in different times. This is a a really unique time in our nation's history. We're more divided than we've ever been during my lifetime. And uh, the Republican Party is becoming divided as well uh, because of our former president, Donald Trump. We'll hear from the self-described mainstream conservative today on the podcast. But first, our weekly look at politics and government on both sides of the state line. Missouri Democrats say they aren't ready to support Governor Mike Parson's plan to hold a special legislative session to permanently cut the state income tax. There's a press conference scheduled for today when the Republican governor will announce details of the session. He's also hoping to get a multi-year tax credit for the state's agriculture industry. But some Democrats, including Senate Minority Floor Leader John Rizzo, say the state should be cautious about assuming that current budget surpluses, partly the result of federal COVID relief funds, will last. We really just want to make sure before we start cutting taxes that our obligations are being met, that our teachers are being paid uh, a salary that's competitive, that our transportation for schools as we're getting ready to go back to school Uh, continues to be fully funded. The Independence Democrat also says Republicans may not all be on board with the governor's plan. I think within the Republican Party, there's going to be massive differences on how much a tax cut uh, should be and what it should look like. No word yet on when the special session will be, but Parson may call it for the same week as the already planned veto session, which is September 14th. A sweeping new Missouri elections law takes effect next week. As Sarah Kellogg reports, the law will face not only legal challenges, but also community engagement efforts. A coalition between faith and labor leaders and community organizers say they intend to combat the law through not only litigation, but also by still getting out the vote despite the added restrictions. While multiple lawsuits regarding the law are imminent, Daryl Gray with Missouri Faith Voices says they also plan to increase their voter engagement, like establishing more photo ID assistance sites to help people. Our job is to basically get the people uh, in these places so that the Voter Protection Coalition and other uh, uh, organizations can help to, to, to get those documents. Gray says they did receive a commitment from Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft to provide members of his staff to go to these assistance sites to help with that process. And with 12 weeks to go until the general election, the Kansas gubernatorial race is shaping up to be one of the most competitive in the nation. The Republican-leaning polling firm Battleground Connect released results last week from the first reported post-election poll in the race. Republican Attorney General Derek Schmidt led Democratic incumbent Laura Kelly among likely voters by about two and a half percent, with independent candidate Dennis Pyle, a conservative state senator, getting about two percent and almost five percent undecided. The tight numbers guarantee that the race will continue drawing attention and money from all across the country. Independent candidates are rarely successful in America's two-party election system. In fact, an independent hasn't been elected in Missouri in the post-Civil War era. When independent candidates do run, many complain that their presence on the ballot serves to thwart the will of voters by taking votes away from more viable candidates. But none of that's stopping John Wood, who used to be a Republican congressional staffer. While the GOP selected Attorney General Eric Schmidt as their nominee from a field of Trump-supporting options, 
the less known Wood is offering himself as a mainstream conservative alternative. So does Wood have what it takes to compete with Schmidt and Democratic nominee Trudy Bush-Valentine this November? Wood talked about his chances and his views on KCUR's Up to Date with host Steve Kraske. You know, independent candidates haven't had a lot of success in either Missouri or Kansas in recent years. What makes you think this time is different? Well, we're living in different times. This is a, a really unique time in our nation's history. We're more divided than we've ever been during my lifetime. And uh, the Republican Party is becoming divided as well uh, because of our former president, Donald Trump. And I think that there's a real desire among Missouri voters and Americans more generally for somebody who's going to help unite us, bring us together, get us beyond these divisive times. And I think Missouri is a generally conservative state, generally Republican, but most people are within the mainstream and reject the extremes and the divisiveness that they're seeing from a lot of people in the Republican Party right now. And the question is how many people in Missouri are out there who feel that way, I imagine? We'll find out. Hopefully, you know, in a three-way race, there'll be enough that I'll be able to prevail. You describe yourself as a mainstream conservative. Why didn't you run as a Republican? Well, I am a mainstream uh, conservative. I've been a Republican my whole life. I think I'm from the mold of Ronald Reagan and our former Senator Jack Danforth, who were my political heroes growing up and remain my political heroes today. As far as why I didn't run in the Republican primary, I I think results in Wyoming are a good example of why I didn't. Uh, I'm very much aligned with Liz Cheney. I worked for her on the January 6th committee. I've been friends with her for a long time. Uh, I share her conservative views and her conservative values, but I also share her concern about former President Trump. And uh, I believe deeply in democracy and our Constitution. And unfortunately, that message, which, you know, Liz Cheney got out as well as anybody can. She raised a ton of money, has, you know, close to 100 percent name recognition. She got that message out as well as anybody can. And it just didn't resonate in a, in a Republican primary in Wyoming. And I think, you know, the same probably would have been true here in Missouri in a Republican primary where, uh, unfortunately, the primaries tend to be driven by the bases of both parties. Uh, but I think the general election, there is an opportunity to appeal to a lot more people who are kind of in the mainstream. Why can't you support Eric Schmidt, the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate in Missouri? Yeah, unfortunately, um, he seems to be entirely beholden to Donald Trump. Uh, he challenged the 2020 presidential election results. He you know, takes pride in having, he says, led and authored a brief among state attorneys general and the Supreme Court challenging the results of the 2020 election. He's pledged that if he goes to the Senate, he's going to continue to investigate election fraud in the 2020 election. Uh, everything he's doing seems to be to try to curry favor with our former president. And what Missourians need is somebody who's not going to speak for Donald Trump, who's not going to speak for Joe Biden or Chuck Schumer, as my Democratic opponent will, uh, but will speak for Missourians. I wanted to ask you about one specific position that Eric Schmidt took that concerned a lot of people here in the Kansas City area, and that was his opposition to the release of Kevin Strickland from prison a number of months ago. Mr. Strickland spent uh, 43 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit And yet Eric Schmidt spent months objecting to his release, uh, despite uh, Jackson County Prosecutor Gene Peters Baker saying the man was innocent. As an attorney yourself, I'm wondering, what did you make of that, John? 
Yeah, Steve, I'm glad you asked about that, because I'm not just an attorney. I'm a former prosecutor. As you know, I was U.S. attorney for the Western District of Missouri, so the lead federal prosecutor during the Bush administration uh, from uh, 2007 to 2009. And so I'm as pro-law enforcement and uh, law and order as you can get. But part of having a society based on laws is not only do we have to send the guilty people to prison, we may, we need to also make sure that the innocent people are not in prison. And so I applaud the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office, Gene Peters Baker, who you mentioned, uh, and Dan Nelson, who I think really took the lead on this effort to determine what actually happened. And they concluded that Kevin Strickland was innocent. And I can't understand why... Eric Schmidt, even though he's, you know, pro-law enforcement and law and order, would want to keep an innocent person in prison any longer than he needed to be. So I very much support what the Jackson County prosecutor did, and I'm glad that Kevin Strickland is finally free after 40 years. Uh, let's go to abortion. Did the U.S. Supreme Court do the right thing by striking down Roe versus Wade? I think it did. I think Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided. Uh, I, I think that Abortion is a very difficult issue, and I have the greatest respect for the dignity of women who are faced with an unwanted pregnancy. But I also believe life begins at a conception. And going to your question about the Supreme Court, I think those are issues that should be decided by the people's representatives rather than unelected judges. So you like the ruling in terms of allowing the states to decide how abortion should be regulated in their jurisdictions? I do. Uh, what about a poor Missouri woman, John, who becomes pregnant, simply can't afford to care for the baby? How would you help her? Yeah, we need to take care of kids. I do believe that the social safety net is important. I'm a conservative. I don't believe that government can uh, spend enough money to get people out of poverty. I think we need to get people out of poverty through economic growth. But that said, there needs to be a social safety net for the people who can't take care of themselves and genuinely need help. I'm wondering, how do you feel about the future of our democracy? There's a lot of hand-wringing going on across the country about that right now. And based on so many developments that have occurred, including that January 6th attack on the Capitol that you spent so much time investigating, what about that. I'm very concerned about the future of our democracy, uh, and I think that was evident in the January 6 hearings, particularly um, former Judge J. Michael Ludig, who is as conservative as they get, former federal judge appointed by the first President Bush, served in the Reagan and Bush administrations, and he said that Donald Trump was a clear and present danger to our democracy. I think that there is a real risk to our democracy if people think having their candidate win is more important than respecting the will of the voters. If people are not willing to accept the outcome of an election, it's hard to have a democracy. Now, I think there are a lot of people who genuinely believe that the election was stolen from President Trump, but let's be clear, they're wrong. Uh, there is absolutely no evidence of widespread voter fraud uh, that was enough to change the outcome of the election. But people are getting their news sources often from sources that just tell them what they want to hear and that mm -hmm. just reinforce their own viewpoints. And so I'm really concerned that not only do we have a threat to democracy, but we are getting to a point where maybe a, a post-truth society where we don't have a consensus on just basic facts. I mean, people mm -hmm. are entitled to their opinion, but they're not allowed to make up their own set of facts. But yeah. unfortunately, there are a lot of people... Uh, whether it's on the radio or on cable television or on the Internet, who are just giving false information to people, and a lot of people are are believing it. Is Donald Trump the main reason we're as off track right now as, as we are? If, in fact, democracy is endangered, is, is Donald Trump the reason for that? He's... 
I guess he's sort of the match that was thrown, you know, on the the kindling. Um, that a lot of the things I was just talking about are underlying causes that made it possible for Donald Trump to step in and exploit some of these things. But you know, there's no doubt that Donald Trump stepped in and has exploited some of these vulnerabilities in our system. And so I think he is a real threat to our democracy, uh, as evidenced by his attempt to overturn a legitimate valid election. He is a threat to our national security, as evidenced by the fact that he had classified documents in his home in Mar-a-Lago. We're going to learn more about that. And I think he's very damaging to the soul of America. I think he's really divided us and pitted us against each other, not just different races and economic classes against each other, but sometimes even family members. You know, it's a Thanksgiving dinner table. Mm -hmm. Family members can't get along because they're so divided. Uh, And it's not all because of Donald Trump, but a big part of it is. Did the president commit crimes by encouraging his supporters to march to the Capitol on that January 6th day? I think there's enough evidence that that has to at least be investigated. And I have, for several weeks, been calling on the Justice Department to appoint a special prosecutor to look into that issue. And I think a special prosecutor, special counsel should also look into the issue about classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. I think that the attorney general is in a very difficult position. I think he's a good man. But he is a Democrat who was appointed by Joe Biden, and he works for Joe Biden. Joe Biden might run for president again, and Donald Trump is certainly signaling that he's going to run for president. And so it's very hard for Merrick Garland, the attorney general, to make any decision, whether it's to prosecute or not to prosecute, where he won't be accused of being political. Now, there's nobody in the country who's completely free of politics, but I think appointing somebody who does not report to uh, the president and somebody who doesn't have any political aspirations, uh, who's well-respected, to make the decisions about whether to charge the president is the way to go. What about guns? You say you're a supporter of the Second Amendment. Is it time to ban assault rifles like the one that was used down in Uvalde, Texas in May? Yes. Uh, that's the short answer. So I, as you said, I do believe in the Second Amendment. I do believe in the right uh, to bear arms, and it's an individual right, and uh, I will certainly protect people's right to have firearms to protect themselves and their family for sporting purposes. Uh, But I think there's a limit on it. And I don't think that there's a need for assault weapons. They're not necessary for people to protect themselves and their family. They're not necessary for sporting purposes. So I I would ban them. Would you tighten Missouri's gun laws? Yes. The mayor of Kansas City screaming for help from Jefferson City. He says he's not getting it. Yeah, I I would tighten the gun laws. Um, You know, I think assault weapons uh, should be banned. Uh, I I also would say, you know, going back to the the Senate, since I am running for the Senate, I I applaud Senator Blunt for being part of a bipartisan coalition to uh, make some progress on the issue. Uh, It's terrible that it took the tragedy of Uvalde to prompt something to get done. Uh, and it's rare for Congress to be, in the Senate in particular, to be able to get things done unless they're prompted by a tragedy. But uh, I think Senator Blunt did the right thing by being part of a bipartisan coalition to try to make a difference. That was U.S. Senate candidate Mike Wood, an independent, talking with KCUR's Steve Kraske on Up to Date. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To hear Steve Kraske's full interview with John Wood, visit kcur.org, where you can also find all the election news you could want from Kansas City's NPR station. Nomi Nujia Dean's back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.
Up until recently, even Henry Perry's own granddaughter didn't even know how critical he was in creating the culinary institution of Kansas City Barbecue. He just wasn't talked about. It was just known that he was the barbecue king. Join me, Suzanne Hogan, host of the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City, for a behind-the-scenes look of our barbecue episode Thursday, September 1st. Tickets are at kcur.org events.